Welcome to The Jeff Lerner Show, where we teach you how to create the awesome life you desire. Welcome, my friends. We are here today in the virtual studio, which basically just means we're on the same planet and we're connected, um, with my longtime friend, uh, Dominic Robbie, who is going to share with us his actually very interesting story of how he became an expert on blockchain and cryptocurrency, um, but also really enlighten us. And, and even just in the, in the brief conversations I've had with him about the subject already, I, I feel worlds smarter than I did uh, even just a few weeks ago. So he's going to just drop so much wisdom on us. And I'm so excited to have him here. Uh, without further ado, Dominic, welcome to the studio. Jeff, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for taking time to, to do this. This is fantastic. Yes. No, I'm, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, I'm so grateful that we, through pure serendipity, reconnected uh, over the last several weeks after years of, of I guess, if you, if you love someone, set them free, and if they come back, they're yours forever. So, we must, we must really love each other. <laughs> it's, it's a That's a good way of putting it. I like it. I haven't heard that in a while, but I like that. I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling the love because... Last time I, you and I were really in, in close conversation and we were kind of involved in some things was earlier in my digital marketing career and you were, and I don't want to put, you know, words to your life experience, but I would say at that time you were kind of a dabbler in yep. digital marketing and, and this, you know, progressive new economy kind of stuff. And yep. I think you were still actually working full-time as a pharmacist, correct? I was, yeah. I was working as a pharmacist. I was actually working for a managed care organization, which anybody who's in the medical industry understands what that is. A managed care organization essentially is kind of an integrated pharmacy with a uh, um, medical benefits uh, insurance company, right? Okay. So I was working for one of those. Yep. And that was, gosh, we were in Phoenix. We were hanging out. We were talking. Um, that was maybe what, six or seven Oh, eight, ten years ago? Like, I was just thinking about that, and I want to say it was right around 2013. Okay. Actually, 2012. I, it had to be 2012. Yeah. Okay, so, so yeah. eight years ago. And uh, now here we've circled back. Obviously, I was at a digital marketing event recently to network, and you know, I've, I've gone full bore into the new economy. I do digital marketing, I do real estate, I do online education, um, that's, that's my life and my passion at, at my evangelism, if you will, at this point, uh, I was at this event to network and gratefully, you know, pick up some nice awards, which was cool. And lo and behold, I bump into my old pharmacist friend who's come so far. And, and not only that, it, I didn't just bump into you in the, in the lobby, but I actually met you at a dinner that was, you know, not to like pat our, pat our own backs too much, but it was a dinner supposedly for really successful quasi important people at this event. Right. Mm -hmm. And we bumped into each other and it was like, for me, I was like, Hey, it's so great to see you, but B you've clearly had a massive career shift to be at this dinner. Right. And I was excited to hear about it. And you told me about it. And you know, in, in whatever way you think is relevant to my audience, why don't you tell them about it? And, and before you do that, let me tell you why I'm asking my audience and, and, and the message that I think they tune in to me for is all about how the world has changed. There's, there's you know, to, to call it a new paradigm probably doesn't even do it justice. I mean, right. in the last 20 years, 10 years, the, whole, the world has been completely upended from the standpoint of what are the opportunities out there for people to go out into the world and not just make a living, but really make a life for themselves. Right. Um, you know, through investing, through entrepreneurship, through business, through the internet, through just everything has changed in the last 10 years. And yet most people, because the educational system hasn't really caught up, they've still been kind of trained 
and set on, on a few paths, you know, that are more traditional, they're more corporate, they're more employment based. And I'm just out there trying to shake it all up. Right. And so when I, when I meet my old pharmacist friend, who's now doing all this crazy stuff that you're doing, I'm like, yes, perfect example of, of how when people's people embrace the, the way the world is gone, there's just so much opportunity. So with that as a frame, well, if you wouldn't mind, catch us up on your life uh, what, like you did for me a few weeks ago. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate that. And uh, I guess I'll start with when I actually became a pharmacist, which was 2005. Um, the pharmacists, was a, pharmacists were in such high demand that the joke was is that we could throw you know, a dart at a map and hit any zip code in the U.S. and fall into a six-figure salary, right? That, right. Was, that was the model then. That was the paradigm then, right? And then what I noticed was as I, as I started going into the workforce that I could, my capacity was around 400 to 500 prescriptions a day as a pharmacist. And that was kind of about the max capacity that you could, you could eke out of, of a pharmacist. And then a few years later, starting into maybe 2008, 2009, 2010, I started to notice that the model was shifting and these companies were now starting to get a thousand, the, the, the benchmark was a thousand prescriptions a day. Now they're utilized, they're doing that such, but we're, paying, we're making the same amount of money, right? And we're not only required to do a thousand a day, like, like that, was, that was the benchmark. That was where you, if you didn't get a thousand a day, you worked until you got a thousand a day. Right. So now because of technology, technology's you know, essentially doubling our capacity. Um, so what's going to happen to the demand, right? Right. So it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to alter that dramatically. So I started to see what was going on around me and, and realizing that, hey, listen, I can't be so secure in this six-figure year income job. I need to start thinking outside the box and preparing for an eventual outcome where I'm not reliant on that, right? So fast forward to 2012, which is when you, know, you and I met. And uh, I had a friend of mine that in and around that time, he had started telling me about this thing called Bitcoin. And, you know, I was, I was probably a little bit more libertarian leaning in my political philosophy. Um, but even then, I couldn't understand it. I couldn't, under, I couldn't wrap my head around Bitcoin and this, you know, it was just an ethereal concept to me. And so one of the things I do remember is Bitcoin was right around $30 at the time. And I didn't take action, even after he had suggested, hey, you should probably, you know, consider, you know, diversifying some of your income into this, you know, it'd be a good idea for you. And so I, I just, I didn't. And so that was 2012. Fast forward two years later. And I had another friend and these two friends did not know each other. Another friend called me and had just left a conference. And it was actually the friend that introduced us just this last okay. week. He had uh, just came back from a conference and was, you know, elated, excited, um, telling me all about Bitcoin and blockchain and how it's so necessary. And I thought to myself, I'm like, well, I didn't, I have another friend that told me about this two years ago. Maybe I should get these guys on the phone. So we get on the phone together and it's just kind of like putting one nerd with another nerd and just letting them talk it out. And I'm just sitting in the background thinking, okay, maybe I should pay attention now. Well, at that time, Bitcoin was now $600. Mm. So it 20 X in two years. And in retrospect, that two years of waiting has cost me over $3 million at Mm. present prices. So was that a big mistake? It was an enormous mistake of not taking action. But the, you know, how you are when you see, you know, somebody tells you to go see a movie and then another friend goes and tells you to see that same movie. Now it's almost now you're listening. You didn't right. listen to the first one, but now it's like, okay, I'm hearing this a second time, a third time. I need to take action on this. So 
I ended up taking some action. And this mm -hmm. is 2014, Bitcoin's right around $600. But what does, what does something do when I buy it? It goes down in price. Right. I bought it at 600, it drops to like 100 or 200 and I forget all about it. I just chalk it up to another lost investment. And so I forget about it. A Couple of years later, I'm on Facebook and I'm seeing my feed just blow up. You know, Bitcoin this, Bitcoin that, you know, it's all the rage. And I'm like, what's going on with this, right? So, um, at that time, the price was, I think, at like $2,300, $2,400, maybe $2,500, some, somewhere around that region. And finally, I was like, okay, I need to understand this. In 2014, when I first invested in it, I just took a leap of faith for my friends. I didn't bother to, to really dig into the technology and understand it. And as somebody who doesn't really have a technical background, a lot of the technical talk of it just kind of went over my head. So it very much overwhelmed me. So I started just learning what I could every single day. I'd read a little bit here, read a little bit here, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes a day. If I found an article that I didn't quite understand a terminology, I'd Google it, find out what it was until I did understand it. And when was this about? So this is 2016 into 2017. So probably- Are you still working as a pharmacist at this time? I'm still working as a pharmacist at the okay. time. And I do have a business on the side with a couple partners that we were working on on something in the medical industry. Okay. And so what was going on is then, you know, Bitcoin continues to go up, go up, and it's, it gets into the bull market that we all know that it, that it went through. And I start kind of just understanding and diversifying a little bit from Bitcoin and some of the other different, what we call, well, I won't call them that because they're just altcoins. Okay? Right. Um, so <clears throat> there's, there's another name that some of us in the industry affectionately call it, but that I'll, I'll save that for your viewers. But, okay. So we get into 2017 and I go to my partners in the medical side and I said, listen, I don't know what we need to do, but we need to do something in this ecosystem. The business that we were in was just kind of fledgling and going nowhere. And so I think we really need to put some time and attention into this. And I, like I said, I don't know what it is, but let's do something. And so we thought around, we thought around, well, none of us are really technical in, in, in that regard. So we're not necessarily going to develop something, right. but we really thought that this ecosystem this industry of blockchain technology has the potential to do what the internet did back in the 80s and 90s mm -hmm. in creating the next wave of billionaires and you know the, the the luminaries that we talk about the bezos and bill gates and you know steve jobs and all right. those guys that everybody knows their name right they're pervasive and so we we were convinced that 10 years 20 years from now that we're going to look back on our existence and those names are going to be born from this industry. And so how do we get on the inside track of that? How do we get in the inside track of this technology and how it develops? And so we're like, okay, well, let's do a conference. Let's bring them to us. You know, there are all these conferences going on out there and they're speaking at different conferences. And a lot of the conferences are boring, but they're still, you know, educational and stuff like that. So let's just kind of add our own flair to it. Mm -hmm. And so we did. So we created World CryptoCon. And uh, so you know, none of us had, had any event experience. <laughs> um, none of us had any experience of blockchain, uh, but we did it. So we just threw out, we had, we invested in our, we, we self-funded our company, um, lost money the first year. I, you know, have no, no shame in admitting that we, we lost a significant amount of money the first year, but we survived and we were able to survive to year two. And in year one, we were successful enough to have 1200 people there at a, major Las Vegas hotel on the, on the Las Vegas strip. Mm -hmm. And so we had, I want to say over a hundred sponsors. We had over a hundred speakers. Um, and it was a raging, raging success. Um, 
you know, as far as, you know, delivering quality content to the marketplace. And in, in the process of doing that, Jeff, I mean, I, I could probably write a book on everything that I learned, you know, in that yeah, process. Yeah. It, events, that's a whole other business model that's very sophisticated. Correct. And it's, you know, I, I look as an investor, I look into companies and investing in companies that are capital efficient right. and come to find out that this is one of the most capital inefficient companies oh, you could ever, you could ever do. You know, it's very, you know, you're, you're paying, you know, $120 for a pot of coffee at the, at the hotel because they know yeah, that. Especially on the strip in Vegas. Oh yeah. Insane. You know, you know, and if anybody's been to the party, my events, I do my events off strip in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you're smart. <laughs> so, uh, so, so we did that the first year. Um, and then the second year we created what's known as Vegas blockchain week. So instead of just doing two days of content, we did a full week's worth of content proud to say that we had uh, Dr. Ron Paul speak. at the Wait, You did that your second year? Second year. So you lost money for in two days. So you tripled down and extended it to seven, six or seven days. Yep. And went bigger. Yeah, we went bigger because awesome. one of the things we, we you know, the economically from, uh, you know, when you, when you secure a space, uh, they actually don't charge you for the space. Uh, they actually, a lot of people don't know that they, they charge you in other different ways. They make you say that, Hey, you're going to absorb a thousand room nights. Right, know, right. Yeah, it's about hitting uh, so, minimums across food and beverage. Right. And rooms. Yeah. So, so that's really what we're on the hook for. And so one of the things that we wanted to do is, hey, we wanted to add content, uh, add valuable content to the, the ecosystem. And so we could do that. We could only do so much in two days. But something that, you know, your viewers may understand about the blockchain space is that there's a lot of different what they call protocols, right? So there's Bitcoin, which is a protocol. There's Litecoin, which is a protocol. There's Ethereum, which is a protocol. So each one of those protocols have an identity. They have an ecosystem. They have a fervent group of supporters. Right, so right. Developers, right? They have their own culture. They have their own culture. Exactly. It's, it's like having, it's like a Fortune 500 company that's got their own, you know, employees, but they're not employees. Mm -hmm. So um, Litecoin Foundation came on and wanted to participate um, and a few other different organizations came on and wanted to have their own event inside of Vegas Blockchain League. And so we had this aha and we're like, oh, maybe we should do something like that where now we bring in pretty much the entire ecosystem, right? And so we did that in year two at the Cosmopolitan, had over 2,000 people there, again, over 100 sponsors, over 100 speakers, going for four days. Ron Paul was included, one of the speakers, and, you know, just a, it was a raging success. So we did, did a lot better year two, um, yeah. and now we're getting geared up for year three and seeing where this industry is really going. It's, it's uh, now we're coming back into a bull market, which we did all of those in a bear market, which right. is kind of surprising. And in retrospect, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, uh, very surprising that we're still alive, but we are. Here we are. Well, it, it, it's to, to me, it's not surprising that you're still alive because, you know, I get to be uh, almost a laboratory. My life, both personally and because of, you know, all the, the budding entrepreneurship that I'm surrounded by all the time, I get to be this big giant laboratory uh, to test hypotheses about Correct. starting things and seeing them through, right? And the energy that you've described to me about, I mean, listen, you, you lost money, so you went from two days to six days. That's a counterintuitive shift for most people who don't understand energy mm -hmm. and, and who don't understand the economics of, of events, the event business model, right? Like you said, with the minimums and stuff. But, but there's a certain sort of je ne sais quoi to the way you're describing this. I mean, three medical people who have no background in blockchain or putting on live events 
going in, doing it once, barely scraping by, losing money, doing it again, tripling down, going bigger. You know, you guys are the wellspring, the, the energy. You guys are the energizer bunnies that have pushed this into being. And, and you're not a one-off. And I'm not a one-off. I get yeah. to see this happening all the time. It's, it's, it's you know, what, what's be, what, what, if you want extraordinary, you take ordinary and you add something extra, right? That's, that, that's what we're talking. My, my kids, I don't know if you have, do you have teenagers? I have, I do. I have a, a stepdaughter who's 18. Does yes. she ever, does she ever tell you like, dad, you're so extra? <laughs> Doesn't say that. <laughs> so my teen, maybe it's a Utah thing, but they use the word extra as like a, a kind of pejorative adjective for like people okay. over the top. And like, you know, I take it as a compliment that like yep. that my kids will be like, dad, you're so extra. And I'm, you're damn right. Yeah. And that's why my shit works, you know? And, and you, you just describe being extra. Well, it, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been, it, and having gone through it now, as you know, and building any sort of business, Jeff, it's hard, like hard. I would have, I would have never imagined it would have been that difficult, but was, especially doing an event and going 60 days before it and not knowing that you're going to fill your room block. Oh, the event. It, you're, you're not, that you're not, I mean, you know, and everybody tells you, you know, everybody tells you like, oh, uh, you know, nobody buys tickets to, until 60 days before. Well, that's nice to know before you get into business, yeah. but especially when you're self-funding and you're bootstrapping and you're not sitting on a million dollars in cash. Right. And so, you know, being able to, you know, pull this thing off two years in a row without any outside equity investment has been just, it's been a miracle, you know, yeah. it's been an absolute miracle. And now one of the things that was interesting too, Jeff, from year one to year two was year one. I couldn't get, so I, I booked the speakers, right? So I bring, you know, I, I determine whether the, in, in part, I determine whether the speaker speaks or the speaker doesn't, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I get all these applications coming in and whatnot, but the first year I'm all looking for the speakers, right? Like, I'm trying to find them. And obviously you need a grade, the higher the profile, the more likely you're going to sell tickets, right? right you can't right. have a lot of people that nobody really recognizes their names. I mean, they may have great content, but just, you know, they're right. not going to really get sell tickets, right? And so, you know, the first year I couldn't, I couldn't pay somebody to respond to my LinkedIn message. Right. 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 Now year two, I'm getting literally connections, offers left and right. And that's the difference between you had Ron, Ron Paul at this, the second year, right? Yeah. And, and I can't take credit for, for recruiting Ron Paul because that was part of the Litecoin foundation. They're the ones that secured him. But I mean, we, we, I but you're the one that secured them. Yeah. And, and we, and I secured, you know, we, we had a, a top economist from the IMF to come speak at our conference. Yeah. We've had, you know, people from wall street, high profile people from wall street, um, you know, the entire ecosystem, uh, Anthony Pompliano, who's got over 270,000 Twitter followers. He's one of the top, you know, thought leaders in the entire ecosystem. So getting those guys to come speak at your conference and women, um, uh, the second year was, it was night and day compared to year one. And so, so that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. I mean, so first of all, congratulations on an amazing, just an amazing show of, of some deep truths about certainty and enthusiasm and self-belief and drive and just all this amazing stuff that, that I think is frankly as important as, as blockchain Yeah, like to the individual person. And my, my, my mission is very simple. I want to help the average person have an above average life. I mean, in not so many words. Um, and to that person, the things that you're talking about now about how you are, 
are every bit as important as the stuff that I want to get into, which is talking about blockchain and how it's impacting the world. But, but I just, I didn't want to just gloss over this stuff because, um, you know, one of the things I talk a lot about is like, like you just described when you're starting something, you have to be the certainty to the point of contagion. So, because everybody else is going to meet you with doubt when it's a new right. thing. Absolutely. And if you have doubt, your doubt's not going to win over their doubt. Your certainty, even your certainty is going to struggle to win, their win over their doubt. It almost has to be an irrational certainty. It, it's got to be irrational. To the it's point where people are like, Dominic, dude, what are you doing? This doesn't make sense. And you're like, yes, exactly. Now watch me. I had, I had so many people that were like, wait, you're just kind of like you, wait, you're a pharmacist and you're putting on this event and you know, we, we actually did the event and people are coming to us. They're like, so how many of these have you guys done? Yeah. And we're like, never, this is our first one. And they're like, are you crazy? You, you, you literally, you're, you're here at the Aria, you know, which is, you know, one of the top five, you know, hotels in the entire in Las Vegas. And you're putting on this big of an event. How, and how many are on your crew? Like how many are on your team? We're like oh, five. You know, and they just, they couldn't, they couldn't see it, you know, and one of the other things too, I think, uh, Jeff, that was so impactful and so necessary for us getting to, to do it was being resourceful. I think that was, if it, if it wasn't for that, there's no way it would have happened. And, you know, we, we started to notice that in the first 90 days after deciding, you know, and committing to actually doing this event is that things started to fall into place, like very weirdly. Like, you know, we needed a resource here. Oh, I know somebody who knows somebody who's got that. We need a resource here. Oh, I know somebody who knows somebody who's got that. We need a resource here. Oh, I know somebody who's got that who can help us with that. And th those things just started to line up and it was so surreal. And that's like, when you're doing that, it just feels like you're on the right path. Like, like, like you're being guided. And it Decision, was- Decisions followed by unwavering follow through. Correct. Key to life. Yep. The, the unifying factor of all the stories of massive success and seemingly improbable achievement, decision Correct. and unwavering follow through. Could you, not agree more. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's it. So, so man, we, we have, without any planning, we have touched on so much cool stuff. One thing I want to talk about uh, that you mentioned at the very beginning as to kind of where you were at in your, in your mind as a pharmacist. You talked about, because I think this A is going to speak to every person out there, and it also speaks to the blockchain conversation itself. But it's this dynamic in the, in the economy where you said that as technology increases capacity, uh, it increases the supply uh, uh, the services, the supply of services based on the number of service providers, right? And I've talked in the past about how this affects insurance and affects real estate. Like if you have 20,000 insurance agents in a marketer, in a market, and now some new computer program comes out that allows them to all underwrite twice as many policies. Well, now technically you only need 10,000 insurance agents and half of either all of them are going to have a crappy business or half of them are going to go out of business. So the other half can have the same business, right? That's happening across virtually every industry. Every industry. No industry safe. Yeah. And so, so people that, you know, that are in service businesses or even employees, we love technology because it makes our jobs easier. Correct. But we need to realize technology also makes our jobs more Absolutely. expendable or, or more bloated 
in terms of us even having a job in many. Right. And so I think, I think, I think uh, you know, going along that vein a little bit is that, you know, we always think that, you know, maybe the, the blue collar jobs are the ones that are, you know, most maybe um, at risk for right. being disintermediated or, you know, ob made obsolete. What we don't understand is that, I mean, look, pharmacist, right? You look at a pharmacist, you're thinking, oh God, yeah, th that person's going to have a job for their entire career. Mm -hmm. Not so. I mean, literally all it's going to take is a shift from the state boards of pharmacy to say, you know what, we have an AI that can do it better and now you're no longer needed, right? And that shift, that doesn't happen in a day. It happens over a period of, of, of you know, a decade, maybe two decades, maybe not even a decade. But right. then when it does happen, it's going to be so shocking to that, to that marketplace and those people who have not prepared themselves to, you know, diversify their talents and skills into something else. And now they got to retool. Well, I mean, that's going to be a big rude awakening and not just for pharmacists. I'm talking about for everybody. If, if, if there's one thing that I'll say is that if you're not focused on being the best that you possibly can be, whether it's that discipline or learning an additional discipline or, you know, whatever it is, you're, you're, you're going to get disrupted. And I tell my daughter this, my daughter is, she's 10 and you know, I say, listen, you're not competing with the girl down the street. You know, you're competing with the girl in China and in India and everywhere else. And, and one, one, one of my mentors that I listen to who I, you know, I don't know him, but I've read his book. So I call him one of my mentors. I listen to every word he says is Ray Dalio. And what Ray Dalio says, and he's, you know, for people who don't know who he is, he's the uh, CIO. And I think he's the, well, he's, he's essentially transitioning away from his company, but he's got the largest hedge fund in, in the world. Uh, like over 160 billion assets under management and multi-billionaire himself. And he just wrote the book principles. And what he says is that writing algorithms, writing algorithms, in other words, coding is the reading and writing of tomorrow that no longer is reading and writing adequate. Yep. You need to, you need to either, you don't necessarily need to be a coder, but you need to understand it enough to be able to guide and direct. Yeah you know, so true. In, cre in creation of that, of, of an algorithm. Right. And so, you know, that, that's where we're going. And if we're, if we don't start adapting our own skill set towards that, then we're going to make ourselves obsolete. And you, you nailed it. It's the six figure specialist that is the most at risk from technology yep. because they've, they've created that six figure value for themselves by becoming narrowly good. Not, not broadly okay, but narrowly good. Especially. Yeah, which means the day that, that technology can do their job even a little bit better than them, the company's not saving $40,000. The company's saving $150,000 to replace them. Sure. So the company's licking its chops. Meanwhile, they've spent 20 years going down a path that now, and they've, they've got a, you know, a $700,000 house with a mortgage and they've created a lifestyle and they've just... They've set a plane up here. They have to redirect at, at 50? Correct. It's, it's brutal. And that's what's happening. I mean, you know, I, I talked to a guy, and not to go off track, but I talked to a guy who was, he was the number, he was the eighth person ever hire, hired at Microsoft. I don't want to share his name, but he, he grew a multi-billion dollar business unit at Microsoft. He's on a, you know, speed dial basis with Bill Gates. Super smart guy. I talked to him about four, four years ago, probably. And I was trying to decide what I wanted to do. And he told me straight up, education is where the opportunity is because of this, 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 and this, just like 
the, you know, we need to, we need to educate young people differently. We need right. to re-educate older people yep. because of all these other economic dynamics. And that, you know, that was a big part of why I went on, I, I've started Entra, a non-traditional education yeah. company. But, but anyways, it's just, yeah, we need to, we need to retool our workforce, right? We need to retool them. Because and we're, and to you and I, we're here kind of sounding an alarm and, yep. and, and I don't want to be like dramatic, but like if we accomplish that in this video, we, we, I want to talk about blockchain, but if honestly, if all we do is like ripple a few six figure guys into being like, okay, I have to diversify my knowledge base. I think we'll be serving the planet. No uh, doubt. I'm serving some families out there. Um, and, and props to you for, for taking your own initiative, dude. I mean, look at you. Like. It's, well, it's I, such a cool example, you know? It was, it, honestly, it was, it was based off of, it was like, I look back on it too, Jeff, and it's, it was partially based on greed, right? Because you, you want to, hey, there's, there's got to be a financial incentive. There's always going to be a financial incentive. My, my therapist would, right? say, would tell you that it was actually self-interest and it's very, very healthy. Yeah, self-interest, okay? Yeah. And then fear, because I was fearful that I was going to get left behind because I'm seeing the doubling capacity in my industry right? Of, of, of one person that they're now doubling their capacity. And it just, it's kind of like Moore's law. It's going to, it's yeah. going to go from 1000 prescriptions to 2000 prescriptions and so on and so on. Well, they're still pumping out pharmacists. So guess what? I'm going to get, I'm going to either at the, at the maximum be made obsolete at the minimum. I'm just going to have a declining in living standards, right? Essentially you're going to lower my income to the point where it's not going to be worth it. For and you're going to be competing with 27 year olds. Pretty, exactly. career, right? yeah. who, can, who are faster and more efficient than me, right? Yeah. And, so, and, so, and so it's, it's um, oh, where was I? <laughs> Lost my train of thought. But, but yeah, it's so cool that you, you figured that out. And, um, oh, I know what I was going to say. And it's, it's, I think, thankfully, you were in an industry that had a very simply, simple quantifiable metric to sort of standardize performance, like 400 right. scripts a day versus 1,000. A, a lot of high, you know, high-end professional industries don't necessarily have the same, like, a, like, sure. a, like, the, like the practice of law Correct. doesn't have a simple baseline quantifiable standard like that. So it's probably harder for those people to see. But like, you know, I just read Malcolm Gladwell's uh, book, Talking to Strangers, and it was talking about aberrant and human error in the legal process is kind of one of its core uh, threads that it followed, I could literally see a play and, and they actually have computer simulations that are better now than judges at predicting whether or not people should be granted bail. And that they, and, and in that case, there's a real cost because they say, when we let the judges do it, more people die. Well, think about it too. There's an emotional element. If you're looking at pure logic, right? What's yeah. better at it? You know, it's, it's, I was just reading this article earlier today, software, right? We're getting increasingly more reliant and trusting of software because it's yes or no, it's binary, right? right. The outcomes are binary and there's no, there's no emotional involvement. There's no political involvement. There's no, nothing like that. No, the, the decision cannot be influenced. It's binary. It's yes or no. And that's kind of the thing that kind of leads into blockchain, which is very much, very similar into how, how blockchain is going to pretty much, you know, disrupt so many different so let's use that let's use that as the pivot point into the blockchain conversation like the nerd in me the evangelist in me is like wanting to talk about what we've been talking about the nerd in me is like yeah. can we please talk about blockchain i want to <laughs> how is it going to change the world and so so let's indulge my nerd here and say okay um first of all let's it, it, 
is I'm going to give you a tall order here, but okay. in, in, as, in as straightforward and simplified a way as possible, can you give a general overview for anyone who may not fully understand what blockchain really is, what blockchain really is? Because I think a lot of people hear Bitcoin and they hear cryptocurrency. Right. They don't understand that Bitcoin is actually just one tentacle it's of technology called blockchain. So if you, if you look at Bitcoin as Bitcoin was the first use case of blockchain technology. Okay. A blockchain is essentially nothing more than a distributed ledger, right? It'd be like your QuickBooks file, right? Mm -hmm. On a thousand, a million different computers out there that we all share the one main ledger, the one main QuickBooks file, and we all share it, right? So when I want to send Jeff, you know, um, $10, right? First of all, all the ledgers are going to show how much is in my account. Kind, so kind of like, not, a, like a Google sheet almost. Like yeah, a, it's like a, it's like a, shared, a shared Google sheet that's just, you know, everybody's got access to. Right, but right. it's encrypted, okay? So there's encryption. And so the, commun the, the computers just communicate with, it, with one another and say, yes, you know, Dominic has $10. He can send that $10. If I didn't have that $10, I wouldn't be able to send it because it's, there's copies of it all around the entire network, okay? Right. So, and because they're all encrypted. So that eliminated the, that, that groundbreaking um, uh, innovation, which was created by Satoshi Nakamoto, who nobody knows the true identity of, um, that, because there's been, they've been trying to have a digital e-cash before. The cypherpunk right. movement of the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, they created digital cash, but they, didn't, they weren't able to eliminate that issue, that what they call a double spend problem. Right. So the double spend problem meaning I can send ten dollars here and ten dollars here and I only have ten dollars and I can send it simultaneously, that's a problem. Because right? the systems aren't all communicating in real time to go, wait, hold on. Correct. Oh, yeah. Right. So what what Satoshi did was absolutely freaking brilliant. And if I ever got a tattoo in my life, I'd get a tattoo of him. <laughs> so him or them or her or whoever it is. Right. Um, but it so he took he formed he took a currency that has an in, a defined input and a defined output, right? So what I mean by that is that, you know, you took the form of electricity um, in, in mining, created essentially the process of mining, and they call it mining just because it's, you know, it's like it's analogous to gold, right? right. You dig gold up from the ground and now you have this finite, secure, scarce substance, substance that now we can transact it. And that's why a lot of people are kind of referring to Bitcoin as digital gold. Right. So it's because it's it's taking an input, creating value in it. It's a scarce element. And now I can transact value over a over a trusted network. Mm -hmm. That's essentially what Bitcoin is. Now, blockchain, Bitcoin's one use case of blockchain. Blockchain can I mean, it, it, it's it's now having impact in the supply chain. It's having impact in medical records. It's having impact in automotive and uh, mobility and transport. I mean, you name it. And so one of the things that I had heard that was is good for, you know, kind of uh, viewers to kind of draw a line in the sand is that blockchain is inherently secure, okay? If you look at the internet, the internet was created on a communication protocol. It's a communication protocol. A lot, it's very effective at you and I having this conversation right now, um, you know, uh, me sending an email, you sending an email back and, you know, uh, send and receive. It's very good at communication, but it's terrible at security. Right. It's not a secure. It's not a secure protocol. Blockchain is built secure. 
it's inherently secure. So whereas the communication protocol has had to have all these security protocols or security elements duct taped around it to make it fit, I mean, that's why we have all these hacks, you know, loss of, you know, you know, Equifax and Aetna and all these, all these different huge fortune 500 companies that are storing large and large amounts of our data and are getting hacked because they're a central repository of that data blockchain. There's no single point of failure. You can't break it. Right. So you can, you, I mean, you can break some blockchains if, if, you know, they were not as secure, but like, for instance, the Bitcoin blockchain, it's virtually unhackable, virtually unhackable. So like nobody could really, really hack it. And that's why as it continues to grow bigger and bigger and bigger, now it's an early day in its early days in its infancy. Could you hack it? Absolutely. But it wasn't big enough. There was no reason to hack it right now. It's getting so big and so secure because the hat, the, the mining power that is going into this to secure the network is in the billions of dollars. Right. So it's like, it, it, at some point you could have hacked into blockchain or hacked into Bitcoin because it existed across maybe a hundred computers. Correct. Now it exists across a hundred million computers. Hundred million, and, and those computers aren't just like your laptop. Right. You right. Know? It's, I mean, they're, they're server farms. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, and they're in, you know, different jurisdictions throughout the world. Right. right? So now even if you shut down one or 10 or a hundred, guess what? there's still a thousand more, 8,000 more, 12,000 more, right? right it's just, right. it's, it's it, you can't, there's no central point of failure. And so, so for, for my audience out there who, I like your analogy of comparing it to the internet, you know, if you've ever set up a website, you know that like, first of all, you can't even accept payments on your website unless you go do what? Install an SSL certificate. So it's like everything on the internet is fundamentally uh, has fundamental liability and insecurity. And then you try to overlay security on top of it. You try to come in the back door and redo it to be safe. Whereas what you're saying is blockchain, you would never need to put an SSL certificate on it because it was already built to be that in the first place. Bingo. Right. And the other thing too, there's a misnomer out there that a lot of people are like, well, you know, I've heard about Mount Gox and I've heard about these different, you know, well, yes, there have been exchanges that have been hacked, okay? Right. Which is, what is an exchange? It's a central repository, right? Right. So people are leaving access to their, what we call keys on an exchange. And that exchange is kind of, I mean, that's a, that's a honeypot. It's a honeypot right. for hackers. So now hackers can and, hack that and steal all your Bitcoins. And correct right? me if I'm wrong, but the, the, the vaults, so to speak, that got hacked, those were cold storage facilities, right? Meaning they weren't actually part of the, the larger decentralized network. They, they were like boxes that somebody could break into. It, well, in the case of Mt. Gox, uh, that guy who owned it was, you know, not to go off on a tangent, but he just was ill-equipped uh, as a fiduciary of those funds. And okay. so he did not have proper secure, security elements in place. Um, and so a lot of people lost a lot of money and those were in the early days. That was like 20, I want to say 2014, 2014, right. 2015, if I'm not mistaken, but now, you know, so long as you, you have proper security built in as far as the storing of your own, uh, of your own Bitcoin, you can't it, literally, you can, you can back it up into what's called a seed phrase, which is essentially a string of 12 letters or 12 words, right? That as long as you memorize those, you can you can have infinite access to your own Bitcoin, right? And so nobody can hack it. 
Nobody can hack it. So I could go from here. I could fly to Singapore. I could right. go to, to whatever. And I can literally log on and into my cold wallet and I can access my Bitcoin. It's, it, it, to me, it's almost like the way, the way the ATM networks work, where like if somebody, in or, hacking Bitcoin would have, if, at this point would effectively be the equivalent of trying to steal all the money out of all the ATMs in the world at the exact same time. Correct. It's that, it's that fragmented in a, in a positive decentralized way, right? Not only that, but if, if let's just say that this could happen, right? And it, and it could happen conceivably. Um, but if they were to hack it, it would immediately destroy the value of Bitcoin. So now you're hacking something to destroy the value of it. So yeah. the incentives aren't aligned, right? Yeah, it's like, so it's like, it's like burning up the, a box of money so that you can get the money out. And it's just correct. a bunch of cash. Yeah. Correct. That's yes. a great, that's a great point too. So, okay. So, you know, we started with the premise of why blockchain will change everything. I feel like we're touching on why it's going to change everything because I, you know, this idea that the security is built into the platform. You know, I have, I have friends over the last several years and I've, I've been approached with startup ventures and Hey, do you want to invest in this? And um, or, or just smart people. I'm like, Hey, what do you do? And they're like, Oh, I'm tackling this one problem. And it was around, um, elect making medical records electronic, digitizing okay. medical records, right? So there's like, I'm building software, I'm trying to give hospitals all around the world access to medical records. But the fundamental problems that they always bump into are security based, correct? Privacy based, right? It's people's health information. And it's literally, I've been hearing people talk about electronic medical records, and I, I've for, for a decade, probably over a decade. And I've seen, I've literally probably been approached by five different startups mm -hmm. that are all trying to tackle this problem. And it seems to me that they're all trying to tackle a problem that actually has a bigger problem, which is the internet. Like you said, it's fundamentally insecure. Right. So my guess is blockchain changes that. It changes the whole conversation. And it's, I'm, I'm guessing, I, know, I have nothing to back this up. So I'm asking you, would it be fair to say that blockchain will be the first domino that has to fall to actually result in a real electronic medical record system that everybody can trust. So first what's gonna happen is, and so one of, one of the issues inherently with electronic or EMRs as we call them, mm -hmm. uh, is that there's no standardization. There's this vendor and this vendor and this vendor and this vendor and everybody's using different, different vendors, right? right. So there's no interoperability, okay? So it's, it's kind of like I speak English, he speaks Chinese, he speaks Portuguese, she speaks Spanish. So everybody's speaking a different technical language, right? Mm -hmm. And so every EMR is different, is speaking a different language. What has to happen is there's gotta be some kind of consortium that creates a standard, right? And if that thing is built on blockchain, how it will work is something like I open up my phone, right? And I have all of my electronic medical record data on my phone in an app. Okay, that's right. secure, that's encrypted. Okay, now I walk into, um, you know, I walk into my family practice's office, I already have all my data, I, I walk into a new doctor, I share that with them. So okay? you could like scan a QR code on your phone. I can, they can, they can scan data. the QR code and immediately have my full medical record data. Full, right. but only they have it. And guess what, they pay me for it. Nice. They pay me for it, it's my data. Right, and, and this is what they programmed to self-destruct in two hours. <laughs> yes, exactly. You can just give it to them for a finite amount of time as well, right? Right. So 
So this is where this whole thing with Facebook and the, the Cambridge Analytica thing is really great because it's now starting to kind of shine the spotlight on people's data, right? I'm, right. I'm giving my data for free and they're utilizing it to monetize me, right? So why don't I just monetize my own data? My data is valuable, right? right. Your data is valuable. Everybody's data is valuable. And blockchain is going to be a ledger that's going to allow you to monetize your own data. And digital identity or medical records is going to be just one utilization of that. One use so, your, so, your, so your credit, your health data, your social profile data, your insurance data, your financial portfolio, if it's all housed in platforms that are, by, that, that are inherently encrypted and you're the key holder, and I'm the key holder, then nobody accesses it unless they borrow or rent the key from you. Same thing like this whole biometric stuff when I have an old iPhone, right? I have the one where right. you have to use a thumbprint, you know, now it's the face and stuff. But yeah, nobody can have access to it unless that, that key is unlocked by my biometric data, right? So, so yes, it, like for instance, how, you know, uh, the, the whole applying for a home loan. How archaic is that? I have to submit this paper and this paper and I got to sign this and I got to sign that. And to do it with multiple lenders, it's like, it's, it's insane. It's, a, it's an exercise in futility. It could be so much easier. And that's where you literally have all your data stored. You have your credit profile. You have everything literally in an app. And boom, I can, I can port that over to a broker or whoever instantaneously. And they pay me for it. Now, I'm not saying they pay me a lot for it, but they pay me a little bit because now right. they have access to all my data. And it's not just that it's inefficient. It's also subject to fraud. I mean, we had an entire, yes. the, the, the entire global economy was almost brought down basically by the mortgage industry, essentially doing these, these stated income and no doc loans where people were just lying on the applications. Well, the irony of all that, the irony of all that is that Bitcoin was a referendum on that, is it was created right after the entire global financial crisis in 2009, right? That's what it that's, was created. That's fascinating because it, it does, you, re, you, you apply it in reverse and say, if we had been running on a blockchain system, that whole problem couldn't have happened. Could have happened. But what's great about it is that it did happen and it brought this into play because if, if the global financial crisis had never occurred, who knows, we probably wouldn't, we wouldn't have blockchain technology. Satoshi wouldn't have gotten laid off from his job at the factory or whatever and been like, <laughs> I got to crack this thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This, this is so powerful and so fascinating. And trust me, I am going to be blowing you up in coming months about how I can at least be present, if not involved somehow in blockchain week. Because I just, I want to learn. And I also want to be a conduit for this information to my community at Entra. Because, you know, we're, we're a community of understanding the new economy and how all the opportunities, what the opportunities are and how to take advantage of them. And I, I you know, to me, there's like, I mean, I think CB, like the whole CBD thing and legalized marijuana, that's yeah. huge. It's this, huge. This is probably even bigger. Oh, yeah, I, I believe so. I believe this is a, this is an, an, an not to, not to try to compare and contrast, but think about it. This, this has applications or implications or both for every industry out there. Everything. Yeah. For everything. That's, that's it's going to change. It's going to, I mean, for instance, I was just reading an article that we are now, there's now a billion dollars locked in what's called decentralized finance, which uh, we refer to it as DeFi. DeFi is a blockchain app is, is enabled by blockchain and it's essentially distributing the financial industry. So now 
like this whole example I shared with you on getting a a home equity line of credit approved in two days and funded in five days is a lot. It's because of decentralized finance. It's a form of decentralized finance that is enabled by blockchain. So there's now over a billion dollars locked inside of that capsule in that industry already. And that's just going to grow and grow and grow. Which is, which is like a tiny sliver, I would suspect of where it's going to go. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, that's just within the last two years, Jeff. Yeah. Two years, there's been a billion dollars invested into decentralized finance applications. And now all Wall Street is starting to take notice. I mean, yeah. trade, Fidelity, they're all coming in and building blockchain ecosystems. So, so, I mean, I feel like there's a whole other conversation that I almost don't even dare tread into because we'll be here for hours, but around, okay, the banking system and the, and the traditional mainstream financial institutions and all of the, the brinksmanship you know, and maneuvering that they've done to, so they're sort of like, they're politicking over here legislatively to try to slow it down. They're politicking over here to try to discredit it in the mainstream. Meanwhile, they're over here in the, you know, behind the scenes building all this infrastructure so that they're, they're trying to slow it down so that they can get their arms around and control it, I'm sure. Correct. Right. That's why Jamie Dimon did his big flip flop. And that's why, that's also why Bitcoin is such a big deal. It is such a big deal. And I don't think people really understand how big of a deal it is. People just see the ticker on CNBC and the, and right. the, and you know, the headlines, the news headlines, and it's, uh, it's this price, it's that price. Forget about it. Forget about all that noise and just understand the technology. Do what I did and just take 10 minutes out of your day and just learn a little bit more about it every single day. And gradually you'll start to come to the realization that this is so much bigger than just a price. It's right. so much bigger than just a speculation. It's so much bigger than any of that. It's humongous. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, I think of where Netflix was at a certain point where they had been like, man, we killed Blockbuster. Now we're shipping all the DVDs. And then they're like, oh shit, S- streaming. They're not shipping anything. Yeah. They're just serving it up. Correct. And Netflix, they were smart. They, they, they accepted it. They, they leaned into it. Now they're a big streaming service, but they could have done what Blockbuster did and said, nah, that, you know, dug their heels in and been old school. But, and I, I think you're right. In a way, there is so much money in this world and just so many people whose entire nest eggs right now are, and, and not just nest eggs, but livelihoods in general and work lives. And, yep. you know, I think in a way we're, we're talking about the same things. What Entra talks about in terms of, what you do with your time every day and how you go to work. Mm -hmm. You're talking about what, you know, what you do with your data and what you do with your money. But it's, it's just, it's all about opening up to the way the world is changing. Correct. Exactly. Realizing guys like you and me, we're not like freaking, we're not, you know, aluminum cone heads walking around in the desert, worshiping a a sunbeam. Like this stuff is really happening. It's time to wake up. Oh, it's happening. Yeah. It's, I mean, I could tell you story after story after story from people that have come to speak at our events that have just enlightened me beyond measure. Um, well, I, I, I'll be at the next one. Here's how I would like to kind of, I think, wrap this up because I, I feel like we've planted the seeds of at least five more conversations here. Um, <laughs> Probably so. But, but so to the, how is this currently impacting the average person and how is this currently creating opportunity for the average person. And by the way, I hate the term the average person, so forgive right. me for you. But yeah, let's end by answering those, that kind of 
paired question. So, so to answer the first one, how is this currently impacting the average person? It's not. It's not impacting the average person. And that's why I think that it's, going, it's flying under the radar because mm -hmm. those applications right now are being built. It's kind of like, you know, iPhone was released, you know, the iPod was released, but about two years before that, you know, they're, they're in a lab building. It, right, right? right. And then all of a sudden it's there and now it's impacting society. And then, you know, sure enough, you know, the, the, the you know, the two years, four years, eight years, 10 years after that, it's dramatically, you know, impacted society. So right now it's not, there's, there are applications that you can start using, um, you know, so like, you know, there's, there's different applications, like I can get on and trade, you know, digital currency in an instant, whereas three, four or five years ago, it was a lot more arduous process, right? right? How, where is the opportunity? I think that was your second question or how, how is there an opportunity right now? There's enormous opportunity. Now I'm not just saying, okay, now that I've said, Hey, go buy some Bitcoin, you know, take every dollar you own and go buy Bitcoin. I'm not suggesting that that would not be a smart thing to do. Do not do that. <laughs> but what I will say is educate yourself. And there are other, there's tons of resources out there now that are, you know, available everywhere where you can start getting an understanding of what Bitcoin is, why blockchain is so important. And, you know, just starting there. What I would recommend is for some people just buy a nominal amount of it and just understand it. Like, hey, how does it work? Like, how easy is it? Can I send it back and forth with, you know, where can I send this? What can I do with right. it? Because there's now, there are businesses that accept Bitcoin, right? right? There are utilities where I can literally pay with Bitcoin and on the other side of the transaction, it's immediately turned to US dollars and it's settled. So those, those, those utilities now exist three, four, five years ago, they did not. So whatever somebody's current budget is in the next 12 months for fantasy sports leagues. Bingo. Yes. Put that into cryptocurrency. Bingo. If yeah. you spend a hundred dollars in your fantasy sports leagues, put a hundred bucks in take, Bitcoin. Take, live on the edge. Take a live game. On the edge. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, I, I, I bought my stepson. Uh, I gave him. Bitcoin uh, for Thanksgiving. Uh, well, his birthday is like right around Thanksgiving. So I gave, right. I, I, I sent, I go, tell you what, I'm going to send you some Bitcoin. And just so you learn how to use the wallet and all that kind of stuff. Right. That was two years ago. And that was even in the bull, like bull market, you know, kind of going up like this. And it's right. still worth more than what it was when I gave it to him. And I said, listen, I go, you know, there could be a day in your lifetime when that small nominal amount that I gave you for your birthday funds your retirement. Right. Like that's, that's how significant this is, this potential is possible. So uh, what, what we'll do, and the nice thing about recording a video like this is there's going to be a text area below the video where we can put resources. And so it, as we dig up, you know, first of all, I'm going to suggest if you don't have it yet, let's get a link so sure. people can actually come to your event, buy tickets. Yep. Yep. We'll get that below the video. It may not be there right away on day one, but we'll get that. Um, you know, we'll probably far, dig up a few good resources that we feel confident in at least suggesting for an edu for further education. Sure. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll, you know, go from there and, and we'll continue this conversation. I suspect this was not, this is not the last interview that we'll do because um, I suspect that this video is going to get really good feedback and there's going to be demand for more. And I'm going to call you again. I'm happy to come back on Jeff anytime. Okay. Awesome. To. Well, let's, let's wrap it there. Dominic, uh, so good to reconnect and, and this time stay connected. Yes. Uh, and thanks for coming out and sharing just not only education or information, but just yourself too. I think your story is really inspiring for people. 
Thank you. you. Maybe you, maybe you haven't fully embraced that about your own life, but like your story has a huge inspirational uh, component for people. So, you know, as, as the inspiration guy, I like encourage you to, to follow that and see where it leads. But um, just thanks, man. Thanks for, for being here. Dude, the honor is all mine. I appreciate it, Jeff, beyond words, beyond measure. It was so great to see you in Nashville and I'm looking forward to seeing you more often. Yeah, thank you. Cool, cool. Okay, and so for everyone, uh, if this is your first exposure to my channel, Dominic, bear with me. I got to do my, my standard outro here. If this is your f first exposure to my channel, uh, this is the kind of stuff that we talk about. It's about how to change your life, how to embrace new skills, new growth, new opportunities, the new economy, the way the world has changed, you know, going to school, borrowing a bunch of money, spending decades paying off student debt, spending more decades working in a job, hopefully retiring with a little bit of time left. That is not, I'm not saying that's even necessarily a terrible option, but it's not the only option anymore. You have to get educated and we'll be bringing you more amazing content that I'm sure in the future will again include my good friend, Dominic Robbie. Thank you, world. Thanks, Dom. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it, Jeff. You just finished this episode of The Jeff Lerner Show. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please like and share this episode and do leave us a review. Let us know how we impacted you today. Your next step toward creating your awesome life is to join me and thousands of others in the Entre Nation community where you'll receive free training, networking with other awesome life seekers, access to live events, discounts, merchandise, and other awesome perks. Head over to www.entrenation.com. That is www.entrenation.com and join us today. And of course, do please follow me on social media. I can be found on all the major social networks at Jeff Lerner Official. Thank you again for listening and please go be awesome.